When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex, weekday afternoons on The Horn. Welcome back to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon on the show today. We will get in to the big news from the 40 Acres. Another returning player. We're down to one who has not made an announcement. Maybe he'll make it today on the show. It was definitely an eventful day on the show yesterday. Uh, we will also give you the breaking news of another legendary coach. Not going to be coaching where he was at last year, but I don't think this one's retiring. We'll get into that. Some NCAA basketball. It was another crazy night. The madness is already happening in NCAA basketball with more big upsets last night. We'll get into that. Uh, getting a little NBA talk as well. The Warriors are in trouble. And we'll get into that. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day. Some more sound from Hook'em Up. A little replay from this morning's show. Some good stuff they had there. We'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into the Bama job and who is going to be taking over one of the biggest positions in college football set up for success but a wrong move and a wrong hire could set them back we'll get into that we'll also get into our nfl uh we'll get into the coach who is no longer at his spot anymore we'll get into some playoff predictions some injuries and uh some teams playing overseas all of that and a whole lot more including your text messages 512-447-3776 is the text line 512 512- Four four seven three seven seven six is the text line. You guys drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. And that was yesterday. That was yesterday. We kind of threw out the outline for a little bit of the show and uh, just went with what you guys on the text line. You guys uh, were the ones to alert alert me that Nick Saban had retired from football. And we've seen a retirement now. We have seen a an elevation into. Uh, for for Pete Carroll, an elevation to where he's taking over an advisor role, and then we have now seen a uh, a coach parting ways. I believe they're all phrased differently. They all seem different, but all of those have already happened. Uh, but let's lead off the show with the best news at Texas today that we found out about one of the two remaining players. We did not know if they were going to be declaring for the draft, uh, if they were hitting the transfer board, which none of us expected, or if they would be returning and Quinn Ewers has made his announcement today. I will let him make the announcement. This is what he posted on social media. Longhorn Nation, ever since I was a kid, I've dreamed of playing quarterback at the University of Texas. 
I couldn't be more thankful to all my teammates and coaches, and I'm beyond grateful to be in the position that I'm in. God has shown me who I truly am these past two years that I've been here. And through the ups and downs, these fans and this university has always had my back. And with that being said, I'm coming back. Hook them. Quinn Ewer is putting that out, writing a letter to whoever, but uh, uh, on his social media today saying he is returning to Texas next season. Uh, big news for recruits, for players in the transfer portal who may be looking at, you know, whether or not uh, you felt like you were going to have a top guy. You know, we know Quinn Ewers uh, was already uh, believed to be coming back, so he was the odds-on favorite tied with, I believe, Jalen Milrow for uh, the Heisman Trophy uh, going in the way too early list, and we know he was up there last season and didn't finish up there. So it, it doesn't mean anything in the Heisman Trophy, but it does mean for Texas to bring in someone with experience. We know the 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 jump he made through last season and then last off season, the jump he made in progress and being able to read defenses and make decisions and make throws. We know what that difference was. We know what the difference was. Uh, through this season and coming back from an injury and then building back up and playing in big games, coming up a little bit short, a little bit short. You know, it's not his best game in the college ball playoff, uh, but he's coming back uh, is big news for Texas and Texas football, uh, especially when, you know, you're still looking at that that transfer portal 30-day window. We'll get more into the Nick Saban stuff in the 5 o'clock hour, but they do have a 30-day window where the transfer portal is now open in Alabama and a lot of good players there. Uh, and if Jim Harbaugh, if the, if the rumors are to be believed that he may be done at Michigan, there will be a 30-day transfer portal opening in Michigan. And to have a guy like Quinn Ewers to try and go out and get some more guys to go repeat and get back to the college football playoff next year when it's a 12-team college football playoff, that's a realistic goal with the Quinn Ewers. And with Arch Manning, we may get there as well. But uh, you know what I know? I know that there's all the clickbait and now everybody is is trying to go viral or trying to get their tweet to to stick out by saying, well, now Arch is definitely gone. This was this has all been discussed. None of this is new news. You know, I, I think that all of this discussed. It also leads you to believe that Quinn Ewers has talked to Sark and that Quinn Ewers has had the conversation of just making sure before I say I'm coming back that you're staying and not going to Alabama. Uh, and again, we'll get into that, but the reports are that he is, he's staying at Texas. They're renegotiating a, uh, extension right now. And, and his agent is also Saban's agent is also, uh, Dan Lanning's and all of that. So, uh, but the thought is this will help bring Texas a lot more stability in an offense with Jay Witt and JT Sanders and Xavier Worthy and Adonai Mitchell, uh, all leaving. That gives you a little bit. Jonathan Brooks, you know, you didn't have him at the end of the season, but he is also going to the NFL. All of those, to have all of those walking away, uh, definitely leaves you with a bigger look at what Texas and a better look at what Texas could be next season, where they can be uh, to bring him in. It gives Quinn Ewers another shot to learn. It gives Quinn Ewers, now that he will most likely be your backup quarterback, that Quinn Ewers now. Uh, gets to go. I mean, Malik Murphy played two games. Malik Murphy came in at points. Uh, you hope that Quinn Ewers will be healthy the whole season. It just doesn't happen a lot in college football these days. Uh, so Arch will still be able to be a part of this team. Arch will still have to be getting ready. He'll be getting better reps than he got last year. He'll be getting more reps with the twos instead of 
uh, where you know he was sharing reps with Malik Murphy a lot and doing reps with threes and not necessarily the twos. He will move up into that direct support. We need you in emergency, but in case of emergency, break glass guy Arch Manning. Uh, but Quinn Ewers returning is big for Texas. It's big to show the stability of the program uh, when you do have a lot of guys walking out, and it does leave now. Uh, that Jade Barron is your last person that I've seen uh, that has not decided or not stated yet. He may have decided uh, where he is going to be going, whether it is uh, staying at Texas, going somewhere else, or going to the NFL draft. Most likely you would assume going to the draft or come back, but a lot of those guys uh, in the secondary moving. Uh, Jade Barron, you wish him the best, whatever he decides to do, uh, but that's a lot of turnover in the secondary, so as a Texas fan, you may hope that he comes back next year, but uh, whatever he decides to do, uh, is good for him. Uh, but big news today, Quinn Ewers is returning to Texas next season. That is a big good news today. So want to get that out of the top show. We'll hit that again at the 5 o'clock hour as well. Uh, let's get into some basketball talk, though. So we try to get into basketball early, and then we'll keep going, and we'll get into some football and keep pushing and get through the whole show. Uh, whatever you guys want to talk about, we always put you on there. Uh, NCAA basketball last night. Was a crazy night to watch basketball. I was watching uh, a bunch of different games throughout the night, uh, trying to watch some NBA too. But really, the college basketball was top level last night. Uh, in the Big Twelve, we saw number three Kansas be uh, the the next juggernaut to get knocked down, the next top team to get knocked down. Of course, on on Tuesday, we had uh, number one uh, number one Purdue get blown out by Nebraska, or we get beat pretty badly by Nebraska. Houston, number two Houston, another Big 12 team, loses to uh, Oklahoma State, or they lose to UCL. Oh, I can't remember who they lost to now. I'm completely off my mind on that one. Uh, Iowa State, sorry, Iowa State. Forgot there for a second. Iowa State, and then number three Kansas, lose to UCF. Uh, this is a, a game for Kansas where their offense gets slowed down. That Big 12 defense uh, came in, and I'll bring it back to the Texas in, in a minute, but uh, number three, Kansas lose 60-65 to 65 to UCF. Uh, UCF gets their first Big 12 win uh, in the conference. They get their first Big 12 win at home. They storm the court afterwards. Uh, Kansas tries to get back into it. Uh, they they make a good run at it at the end. Uh, Dickinson Dickerson makes a big run at it at the end, hits a big three, but they're not enough. They can't get the shot. UCF hits some clutch free throws. They're able to win the game. But really, it's a defensive game, and this is what the Big 12 has really kind of solidified itself on in the last few years and adding Houston to that uh, as well. And Kansas has always been able to counteract it with really good offensive play. Uh, but this was their second lowest point total of the season. They lost to Marquette earlier in the season, scored 59. They scored 60 in this game. Uh, then their lowest other than that was 69 was to UConn. So in the big games they have played, they have had lower point totals. That offense has not been electric enough uh, to get going. They may have some issues as the season goes on with that offense, which, again, everyone is going to have, especially in the Big 12. You can't overreact too much when that offense is not performing at the highest level. We also saw a number nine Oklahoma, who was another one of those undefeated at home and, and playing really good teams. Uh, they lose to TCU, 80-71. to Oklahoma loses that game. Uh, Manuel Miller for uh, TCU has 27 points in that game. Uh, another big loss for the Big 12. We can also throw in number five, Tennessee lost. Rick Barnes in Tennessee loses uh, at Mississippi State, 77 to 72. Uh, Tolu Smith for Mississippi State puts up 23. And Tennessee just, they did not have enough help from the other guys 
on the roster. Necton Ziegler put up 54. Uh, Adu put up nine, and there was nine from the rest of the team. So they tried to let their stars go. They weren't able to make enough to stop the firepower of Mississippi State, who puts up 77 in the game. Uh, but we saw, again, so now in this week, one, two, three, five, and nine have all lost in the first week of conference play for most of these teams. And for the Big 12 and for everybody who's been freaking out about uh, about Texas and losing to Texas Tech, and I get it's losing to Texas Tech at home. I get it. I get you didn't want to lose that game. It was not a good look. Texas didn't look good. They, it's not good they lost to UConn on the road. They didn't look great against Louisville. I get that. I get you didn't want to lose to Marquette on the road. And maybe there's some worries that this team's got a lot of growing up to do, which they do, and they've got a lot of time to gel. Uh, you know, they're not going to be the product. They, they, they don't have... I don't know if they have top five talent on that roster right now across the board. I think they've got some really good players, but across the board, I'm not sure they're there. I don't know if they're a top five team. I don't think they are. I think they could be a top 10 team by the end of the season if they gel correctly and the right guys are able to step up. Dylan DeSue is able to produce the way he is, but they're definitely a top 20 team that can be in there. And I know they're getting uh, pushed more and more, but if they play the way they can play with the intensity they need to play with, then this can be a top 20 team easily. You can get into the tournament. I know it freaked everybody out that Lenardi put him on first out, uh, first four out in the in the tournament, in the bracketology. It's just too early. And for the Big 12, when people freaked out, with two games played in Big 12 season play, two games for every team, right? There's three teams that, are, that haven't lost yet. Three. Three teams out of the Big 12 have not lost a game yet. Two games in. That is crazy to happen that fast that there's not the separation, that there's not more bad teams that have dropped two already. This is a very good conference. Baylor, Texas Tech, and K-State are the three that have not lost a game yet. In the next week, Baylor plays K-State on Tuesday. Texas Tech plays K-State on Saturday. So K-State is playing Baylor and Tech in their next two games. If they win both of those, they're heading atop the uh, the Big 12. Remember their Coach Tang from Baylor uh, is there, that's going to be a really fun matchup on Tuesday to watch Tang versus uh, Scott Drew. That'll be a fun matchup to watch. You also have Texas Tech versus Houston on Wednesday. So Texas Tech has got to play Kansas State, and then they got to play Houston, who's pissed off because they lost. There is a lot of big games coming up where you could see Texas be right back in the conversation to top them in just two weeks uh, because everyone's losing. So as much as that Texas Tech loss was disappointing, it was a good wake-up call for Texas. Now, that's not saying beating Cincinnati is going to show that you're the best team and you should have won by more, but it was on the road. I get there's problems. You still are a growing team. We don't know where this team will end up, but I think the the immediate panic and the must-win, I think some of that is residual from football and thinking that basketball is a mo- you must win every game sport, which is not. Uh, you need to win as much as you can. You can't lose at home. I get that. It was not a good win. I'm not under good loss. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it too much. But it definitely is not the end of the season uh, for this Texas team. Uh, as I said, there's only three teams still, still that have not lost a game in the Big 12. Kansas got caught up in it against a UCF team that they didn't think was going to be hap- that was going to be that big. Oklahoma didn't trust that TCU could go into Oklahoma or could win. And these road games too. These road games. And that was what was big, that Texas could win a road game in a very hostile environment in Cincinnati playing their first Big 12 game. These road games, you just don't – teams don't schedule non-conference in basketball at real home, real away games very often. You just don't see it very often. You see a lot of – 
going to play tournaments where it's a road game for everybody and the intensity is kind of different. You're not necessarily playing in front of crowds that care either way. But to play true road games, they help build you. If you want to look at why UConn was able to win, which is UConn's the only team in the top five who didn't lose this week. UConn lost to Kansas earlier this season at Kansas. They've already been a bit more road-tested. They've already had their wake-up call of, okay, this is what happens. Texas, they've got their wake-up call at home. That's, you know, that's not a good look. It's not what you want to see. But they know, okay, we, now we have to be the aggressor. We have to go on the attack. And for, for when you watch basketball and you watch the college basketball last couple days and this week and this weekend, you can see it is not a landscape with the transfer portal and NILs. It is now in, in the G League taking a lot of guys where Ron Holland was going to be playing at Texas, but then the G League took Ron Holland away. They're, they're those, some of those top guys are not going to be going to college anymore. And, and it just takes away this part of the game where there is, you know, Kentuckys or Dukes or, or whoever that are just head and shoulders above everybody else because they have that tradition. They have a really good coach, plus they have, you know, four returning guys and two studs that are coming in uh, as, as freshmen. That doesn't exist as much anymore. You see a lot more stuff like Baylor where you have two studs coming in that are going to get a lot of playing time, but it's a question, can you get them ready by tournament time? Can the other guys step up? Can your transfers get in? For Texas, they were expecting this team this year to have Ron Holland and expected to get that stud uh, freshman to go along with everything else. Plans change. You get Dylan Mitchell to come back. You get Dylan DeSue to come back. You get Tyrese Hunter to come back. So you're still a good team. You're still going to be able to compete all season long, and if we see Dylan DeSue, if he's able to transform into a player who does what he did against Cincinnati pretty regularly, and if we see Tyrese Hunter continue to play at a higher level than he's been playing at, and Max Aismith starts to find a little bit more comfort in playing with a team that is better and playing in a conference and playing as better opponents, if we start to see those things for this Texas basketball team, we'll see Texas uh, grow and advance more. If we don't, it's going to be a long season. Are we going to see Caden Shedrick, who was dominant against some some of the teams earlier in the season? Caden uh, Shedrick, who looked like he'd be a top guy. Could the rest of taking, you know, having the back spasms, taking a day off, maybe taking another game off? We don't know what he'll, he'll be playing or not this weekend. Maybe, you know, switching the, the roles. We know Dylan DeSue's on a minute restriction, but maybe flip pulling that back a little bit. We'll see if he goes back in the starting lineup and DeSue's on the bench come this weekend. We don't know what those are going to be yet. However, we do know that if Shedrick steps into a role where him and Dylan DeSue can exist at a high level, and I love Brock Cunningham, but you know, if you could have two guys that are just physically more talented than Brock and a little bit bigger than Brock play some big minutes for you uh, defensively and offensively, I think it makes them a better team going down the stretch. Is Again, I love Brock Cunningham. I want to see him succeed at a high level, and I think especially early in the season. Texas is a much worse team if you don't have Brock on the court being the field general. And, you know, a position where you kind of expect a Tyrese Hunter to be more of that guy, Brock Cunningham has been that, especially defensively, getting guys and being the communicator and being the central point. He's been invaluable so far. He will continue to be extremely valuable, but you'd love to see the guys that can play just talent-wise, athletic-wise, at a little bit higher level than Brock to come in and then have Brock come in for 20 minutes a game instead of 30 and and have those 15 to 20 be electric minutes for Brock Cunningham where he's a real game changer. Come in when you need to change the pace and change the physicality in a game. I think that'll be a place where if Texas get there, they'll be looking a lot better. But 
But you can see, after one week of play, the Big 12 is going to be a grind. We knew that going in, but knowing that only three teams won their first two games in Big 12 play. Only three out of the entire Big 12 won their first two games. It's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind this year in the Big 12. Also of note, uh, Texas does get another win. Texas women's team gets another win against TCU last night. Madison Booker, another big game. I believe she's the player of the week or the month or whatever. Madison Booker is just continuing to play really well after that Roy Harmon injury uh, kind of taken over his team. She was playing well before, but you know when you need someone to help take over, she's been playing really well. 21.7 uh, rebounds, 6 assists for her. They play number 12 Kansas State on Saturday. It is of note that uh, Sedona Prince, uh, is uh, was one of the top players for TCU. She was out with a broken finger against Texas. So it may have made it a little bit easier, but Texas continues to win. Uh, Texas women's team continuing to win after that horrible Rory Harmon injury, which you hate to see somebody that good uh, get knocked out. But we did see that. She's coming back and going to play well uh, as we keep going. Uh, over in NBA talk, uh, Draymond Green's suspension is over. The first game he sat out was a conditioning because part of what they talked about when he was out is that he did not play any basketball for 10 days, that he really stepped away from the game and uh, tried to rethink some things. Uh, so he needed to get his conditioning back. It was back. He did not play in this game. He might have if it did not get so out of hand. Where The, the Warriors have one of their worst losses in history, 141 to 105. It was on ABC, a brutal loss on national television, where you get a big game on ABC on a Wednesday night, and the NBA's hoping that it's going to be a showdown of Zion versus this Warriors team, and this young Pelicans team will be taking on the old guard, but the old guard didn't show up. Warriors shoot 30% from three. They can't do that, especially without Draymond. That defense isn't there, clearly. They put up a 141. The Pelicans did. Pelicans shot 47.5% from three. It's just not doable. Klay Thompson is not the same guy that he was a few years ago. Not only is he not playing defense at the same level where he was one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, not only is he not getting open enough, so he's trying to create shots more than he is just getting those open shots where he was one of the purest shooters in the league. He's still a pure shooter. He's just not getting open as much. And then he's not creating contact and getting to the line, which you have to do when you're not getting anything else. You've got to be able to get to that free throw line. He hasn't been able to do any of those. Uh, and so we see guys like Moses Moody stepping up. Uh, we know Kaminga's upset. Uh, Podzerski is a guy who's starting now when Chris Paul's down. It's a, it's a, it's a long road for the Warriors, and I'm going to get into a minute uh, the NBA trade deadline buzz. We may wait and push that to uh, to the next segment, but we may hit it here. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but the NBA trade deadline is coming February 8th, so we're less than a month away from it, and the Warriors are in a lot of talks there. But before we get to that, let's talk about the Spurs. Uh, they do win against the Pistons, a must-win game against the worst team in the league. You're the second-worst record in the league. Uh, they win 130-108. to Wimby gets his first triple-double in the game. Uh, Spurs basically are able to play. You know, it's one of those things. The Spurs are not a terrible team. They just don't have the talent. Uh, and then they have a lot of young guys. And so when they go up, they're going up against all these other teams, they, they're just at a disadvantage uh, trying to figure out what they're doing. They're getting better every day. They're, get, they're, they're growing as a team. Uh, but then they played a Pistons team that does not have better talent than them. And so you see guys like Dominic Barlow is able to have a good game and guys like that who just can't do that on a higher level against some of these better teams in the NBA. But it was good to see them get the win. They play Charlotte again, another one of those teams down the, near the bottom. I believe they play the Wizards coming up pretty soon. Could move themselves up from the basement to like stair four or five in the basement. They're now uh, uh, one game uh, in the loss column ahead of the Wizards. 
now, which is sad to go through that. But they're at that point. Uh, but yeah, the Charlotte's right there as well. The Spurs can move up, and, and I get people say just tank it out if you're going to be bad. There is not a there's not another Wimby. There's not another top guy in this draft right now. So you just need to get somebody out of it who's going to be able to play well. You like to have a top pick, but this is not a year where you have to tank. You're not going to get super high anyway. Uh, you're not going to you're not going to get super high up into the uh, the the rankings. You're not going to make the play in. You'll get a good enough draft pick uh, from this. You're hoping that the Raptors stay above six so you get their pick as well. But we'll see what happens over there. Uh, the Rockets lose a game to the Bulls. Bulls look pretty good with Zach Levine back in that lineup. Uh, Kobe White goes for 30 points. Zach Levine puts up 25, 13, uh, 13 rebounds and 7 assists. A real good game from Zach Levine coming back uh, from injury, feeling better. Alperen Shingun, though, for the Rockets. This is an issue with the Rockets that we have seen now. And I don't know I want to say it's an issue. It's something that I don't think was expected from the Rockets that, you know, Jalen Green wasn't necessarily the most communicative communicative or, you know, the guy who's going to demand the ball all the time. Now he wants to go play and he's used to playing on teams where he's by far the best player. He's the stud. He's the guy. And so he went to the G league. He wasn't at that level anymore and he didn't necessarily get the ball. He wasn't demanding the ball and demanding it be his team. Jabari Smith. We saw the problem with Jabari Smith is he doesn't demand the ball. So when a coach is saying you run every play for this guy, he's the best guy on our team, which is how Jalen Green came up and is how Jabari Smith came up, those guys are able to shine because they're really good players. But on an NBA court, everyone's trying to get their own thing and everybody's going to go out there and play, and they just haven't been assertive enough to get it. Albert Shingun does not have that problem. He's going to get in the post. He's going to put his hand up. He's going to call for the ball. They're going to throw it inside, and he's going to beat on whoever he's got down in there. And uh, he puts up another big game, 25-9-5 and for Shingun. Uh, just a really good draft pick, and it'll be curious to see if they can continue to see him and fit him into a role where he's going to be able to be very productive but play with other guys who maybe can speed the game up a little bit more uh, and, and use it not necessarily completely rely on him just beating guys down the post because today's game doesn't necessarily favor that as much. So you want to be able to do it, but you'd like to be able to get 20 out of him and get him a few more assists and get him to kick the ball back out, hit some big threes, uh, get some big points. You'd also like to see them, uh, Jabari Smith and uh, Jalen Green, demand the ball a little bit more. Fred Van Fleet also is a point guard, so he's going to distribute. But if they get the ball and they don't demand it, then they're going to start playing ISO. And it's just an issue right now. I think Dylan Brooks, another assertive person in there, does help this team out, to, especially on the defensive end, but another person to be assertive uh, about what he wants to see. And for Mavs fans, tonight Luka Doncic is out uh, against the Knicks, uh, but the Knicks will be coming to Dallas. We'll see Kyrie versus uh, Brunson and see uh, that matchup. Brunson coming back to Dallas. Uh, Knicks are three-and-a-half-point favorites right now because Luka is out in this game, so it's going to be a difficult uphill battle. Lively and Grant Williams, both game-time decisions as well. You would figure uh, Knicks have been really good since the trade for OG and Anubi, so we will see how that one ends up, but I would assume without Luka and everything, he may need to take a few days off. He looked really hurt in that last game, so we'll see what he's able to do. All right, let's go to Patrick's Big Fat Poll. Take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit the deadline and play some sound from Hooking Up with Ian Rob B, uh, but let's hit that Big Fat Poll. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the Day on the Horn. Big Fat Poll of the Day today. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA trade deadline. We're going to get to that when we come back from the break. So with the trade deadline coming, 
I want to ask you guys on the text line, 512-447-3776, 512-447-3776, what is your most hated trade? Not the worst trade. Not necessarily the worst trade of all time. It may be the worst trade for your team, and that's why you hated it. It may be one because it traded away your favorite player. I can tell you I didn't like the Rodman-Sean uh, Elliott trade. I, I still don't really like it, but it's I, I get it. Rodman was a better player than Sean Elliott was at the time. I'm not disputing that, but the culture of the team, Sean Elliott, one of the favorite guys for anybody who was a Spurs fan because he was always kind of out in the community. But that trade, I just hated that trade. Was not a fan. I liked Dennis Rodman when he got there, but if you look back on it and everything else, it ends up working out at the end of the day. Uh, but that trade. So something like that. What's your most hated trade where the trade happened and you just went, I hate this? Maybe you hated it and it worked out. Maybe you hated it and you were right. Texas in 512-447-3776. What's your most hated trade? We're going to come back. We'll talk a little bit about the trade deadline, some top targets on you, uh, and then we will get into uh, some sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Robbie as well here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019 and 1260, the Horn app and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on the Horn. Sports Complex here on the Horn, playing Bowie for you all week since his birthday was on Monday. Who needs a bad? Who needs a good excuse? Who needs a good excuse to play Bowie all week long? We'll play some five one two Friday though for you tomorrow uh, as well. Texans open five one two four four seven three seven seven six five one two four four seven three seven seven six is the text line poll of the day. What's your most hated trade? Not worst, not the worst trade. I can look those up. I can tell you about the, the worst trades of all time. There's tons of lots in baseball because baseball is always the one where you have the trade uh, and they trade off for prospects and they, you know, you end up getting a prospect that turns out to be an all-time great and a Hall of Famer and the other guy plays, you know, was a win-now guy to get you, you know, bump your ERA up by, by you know, fractions of a fractions of a run. Is that that one? So the, the baseball has a ton. Basketball's got its fair share. NFL, they they put some up there. I've seen somebody put one in. That's a solid NFL one. But yeah, if you have a hated trade, like someone someone where it felt like you felt it, your team maybe traded someone away you liked, or maybe you made a trade for someone that you don't like. That's always a disappointing one when you're like, I got to root for this guy now because the trade deadline's coming up for the NBA and uh, talks coming up. Trade deadline is February eighth, so we are less than a month away from the trade deadline and. We're starting to find more of the winners and losers, or let's just say the we're finding more and more of the uh, the the teams that 
are starting to have to decide whether or not they should try and make the play in or do you want to move out and and how do your contracts work out and do you want to keep this guy long term? Are you trying to ditch a contract? Are you trying to uh, move off uh, salary? Or are you trying to move one of your expiring contracts and bring in some more talent? We're getting to that point of the season and uh, we're starting to see some big names pop up. Uh, we talked earlier about the Warriors. The Warriors are a big name in trade talks because they've kind of waited too long. And the Warriors are a team that I felt was going to be uh, the Warriors were a team that I felt you know really should have blown things up before they did. You know they're re-signing Draymond and and now they're in talks. They haven't re-signed Clay Thompson yet, but apparently he's not happy with the offer. I think they offered him two for forty-eight, and he doesn't like that. Whether it's a forty-eight and he wants more than twenty-four a year, or whether it's the he wants more years. Because Draymond got four, he may want four years. He may not want to, you know, tap out in two and knows that if he signs for two more years, he's done after that. Or at least in, in Golden State. Somewhere else will go pick him up. Uh, but that team is looking. And they have an Andrew Wiggins who hasn't been same. And there was some off-the-court issues that happened last season. And he took some time away from the court to deal with those. And when he came back, he wasn't the same player. And he's not the same player this year. And you're seeing a lot of, with Andrew Wiggins, something that, you know, you know maybe he's more psychological where his steal numbers are going down, his assist numbers are going down, and you know his shooting percentage is down too. But all of this kind of leads into someone who's not making those split-second decisions. That in basketball, and all sports really, you have to have the mind of, do I go now, and do I, you know, you have to, when you make a decision, go. And in basketball, you know, when you're cutting to the basket, whether you make the pass or you make the shot, or when you jump, and if you don't go to the basket at the right time, then there's no play, and now you have to dribble it out and pass the ball back out. It may be a turnover. Or, you know, when you go for a steal, do you go for it or commit a foul? Do you find the right piece, and you just know instinctually to go for it? And when you lose that confidence, it's real hard to get it back sometimes. And for Wiggins right now, he doesn't have it, and he has a lot of contract left. You have Chris Paul, who's on an expiring contract. Do you want to, And one of the reasons the Warriors wanted Chris Paul was that expiring contract, because there's a new CBA now. And the Warriors are in a place where they're going to have to uh, decide whether or not they want to pay massive luxury taxes and take penalties and draft picks and other things because the league is trying to even the bar a little bit more with some of the haves and the have-nots. And the Warriors have about a $400 million payroll. And if you go trade Chris Paul off for a contract that you're going to have to keep, well, now you're keeping a $400 million payroll instead of knocking it down and trying to get it near the $300 million pay range. And getting out of a tier two or tier three, whatever it is, for their CBA. What are they going to do in that situation? So they're in a big question. Do Are you able to trade Wiggins? Does he still have the value? Are you able to find a place that wants him? You have two young guys in Kaminga and Moody, and a lot of people want them, but are you willing to trade away your only young talent to be a really old team to try and get one more out of Steph Curry and then the team all falls apart next year or the year after? You gonna go all in for one, even though you're not really in the hunt right now? Where are you at with Draymond Green? Is he coming back, or are you gonna try to trade him off? You signed him to a new deal. Do you want to get rid of him? The Warriors have a lot of questions to answer, and that for a for a franchise and for a dynasty that has been going now, it is a big story in the NBA. If you're an NBA head, uh, to see what is happening to Golden State, but for the other teams and teams that may want to be looking, there's some other teams. The Bulls are in a position. They have a really good aspiring contract with DeMar DeRozan. That's not too much money, but it's enough to get, you know, you can get another guy. They, they, you know, they may want an asset for DeMar DeRozan. 
uh, to not lose him in free agency or whatever and for a contending team as the Warriors, as the Lakers, somebody like that, maybe the Miami Heat, somebody like that who needs another guard to go get a guy who probably has still a few more good years left in him. You know, not at the top level, but a guy that you could probably re-sign and bring back for, you know, two more years, three more years and see what DeMar DeRozan could do. The Bulls have Zach Levine on a big contract that they may not want to keep. What do you do with Zach Levine? Do you do you find space? I, all reports are there's no there's no takers right now. The asking price is too high for him, and no one wants to put everything down and, and leverage their team into making him a superstar and him be your you know at least number two guy on your your chart. So that the trades haven't been flowing in for him, but they need to make a move on that because Lonzo Ball they don't know what's happening with him. So a lot of stuff happened for the Bulls, the Grizzlies. John Morant's now out for the season. What are they going to do? Luke Kennard, Marcus Smart, guys they brought in to win now. Well, if you're not winning now, you know, maybe this is a rebuild. And, okay, let's let's keep Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morant, get some young guys on this team and try and rebuild that way. And we'll see what they do. But they have some, young, they have some talent for win now, guys. And uh, some guys they may want to pick out there. And then two big names, big names to look out for. Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam from the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, he is a free agent after this year. So if you if you make a trade for him, you want to make sure that you're going to be able to sign him. You want to make sure that you're going to be able to get him. Uh, but that's a team that another Warriors are in him. Pacers are looking at him a lot to see if you can add him there. The Dallas Mavericks would love to add a Pascal Siakam to add another third option on that team, a real third option, someone else who can go in and get rebounds and play a little bit bigger. Someone that you can put into that lineup. We are not necessarily playing Josh Hart or Josh somebody like that where you like those guys. Josh Green, I mean, but you're playing those guys. You want to put those in guys in the lineup. You want them to come off the bench, though. You don't necessarily want those to be your guys in a lineup of Kyrie Irving, uh, Luka Doncic, Pascal Siakam, Grant Williams, and Derek Lively. Looks like a team that could compete because now you've got multiple guys and you can keep two of them in at all times pretty much. And you have a pretty good lineup there. And then you've got some good guys on the bench, but I don't know how much you have to give up to go get a Pascal Siakam for the Mavs. But I, if they can find a way to get him with draft picks and capital and other stuff like that, you've got to go get him because that gives you a real opportunity, especially if you can re-sign him and put that core together. Another name out there, DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray, the Spurs trade him off to the Hawks. They want to pair him up with Trey, Trey, uh, Trey Young. They feel that that's going to be the backcourt of the future. And Trey Young kind of fizzles down. The league focuses more on flopping and and fouls where the player initiates contact, and he still gets those calls, but that was so much of his game. So much of his game was that old James Harden game of I'm just going to run into somebody, fall over, and get two free throws. And he's still a really good player, but he's undersized, so when you can't do that, the undersized factor comes back. He's not a big defensive player. DeJounte Murray and that, that backcourt's not happening. They're playing him a good amount of money. They may want to move on from that and try and figure out the future in Atlanta. And there's a number of teams that could use a point guard. And ironically enough, the Spurs are one of those people in those discussions, apparently, that they still like DeJounte Murray. And now that they have Wimby, that he may want to play there more because now he's got a guy to go run up and down the court with that he didn't feel like he had before, that he felt he needed to get on. Maybe the grass wasn't greener on the other side. All of those are names to look out for. There's more names that will come up in the coming weeks and 
And we'll see teams that are the haves and have-nots and the teams that may want to make a run and the teams that are trying to get out from underneath some cap. And the new salary cap is adding in pieces. We know the, the Knicks still want to make a deal. We know the Heat still want to make a deal and get better. We know there's a lot of teams that want to make a deal and get better. We don't know. Houston's an interesting team to watch. They're a young team that's overachieving right now. Do they want to add another piece to that, to add another veteran to kind of help this younger team that's got Jabari Smith and, and Jalen Green and a Shingoon who's playing really well? You added Fred Van Vliet. You added Dylan Brooks. Is that all you want? Or do you want to add another piece into this? Maybe put a Jalen Green or Jabari Smith on your bench, or do you want to add somebody to put on your bench? Do you want to go after a Marcus Smart? And go to go back to uh, the Grizzlies and say, oh, no, we want Marcus Smart now. Here's one of those Brooklyn picks that they gave up, you know, for James Harden. We want Marcus Smart, too, to add more intensity and more uh, defense on that second end. And Eme has a relationship with him in Boston. Is that somebody they could be looking at? That's not necessarily doesn't have to be a star player, but could be a big difference as Rockets continue on. All right, those are some names for you. We're going to go to the we're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get to the text line 512-447-3776. If you guys want to talk about any of the NBA, trade deadline, college basketball, send that stuff in as well. And what is your most hated trade? That's a poll today here on the Sports Complex and the Horn 1019 and Toll 60, the Horn app and hornfm.com. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis of the Horn. Back on the sports complex here on the horn, playing Bowie all week for his birthday on Monday. Just talks about some the NBA trade deadline. Asking poll today, what is your most hated trade? Send that in on the text line five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Anything else you want to talk about? Five one two four four seven. 3776 is the text line number uh, for the horn and how we want to talk to you. Uh, let's hit the text line up. Alabama should hire Tom Herman is the first thing I see. I don't think they're going to. I feel like he's pretty far down on their list. Uh, from from what you're here reports was Sark was number one on their list and he may have already turned it down. Uh, Dan Lanigan, we'll get into this in the five. He's already turned it down too. But there may be some more. I'll get more into it in the next hour. Uh, but yes, there is. Uh, I don't think Tom Herman's high on their list. Something tells me that he's not high on their list, and I, I, I'm not hating on Tom Herman. I just feel like, you know, his Texas tenure didn't end in a way that Alabama thought. Let's have him replace the greatest coach of all time. Uh, Sergeant Cake says Brock Cunningham is trash. Are you not a Texas? I don't know. I don't know any Texas fan that has that take. Brock Cunningham is not trash. He is far from it. I know there's points where people get upset because offense isn't as great as it needs to be, but as a floor general. If you watch how the team plays with him on the court with versus without him for a lot, especially early in the season, whew, I mean, it was it was a noticeable difference of people not knowing where to go and where to be uh, and Brock being able to help be the coach on the court. Uh, but you'd like to see him on the court less. I'm, I'm, you know, That was my point earlier. I'd like to see him on the court a little less uh, because you want to see the guys who have higher ceilings on the court more and Brock to really be able to, when he comes in, do his job 
not necessarily be as beat up as you get later in the season. Have him come in, change the attitude. Something that Zarek uh, Onyema is doing pretty well right now, uh, but have Brock doing that as well and be the guy who can come in and lead a second unit maybe uh, a little bit more as well. Uh, Texas Tech, so you're saying Texas Tech is not as good as a team uh, as Texas, even though our only two losses are on the road to Villanova and on the road to Butler by less than five points. Sure, man, sure. Uh, I'm not saying that. I do think we're a better team than you, so I am saying it now. I didn't say it then. Uh, I do think we're a better team. I think we can. We have more experience. We can go in, but I think Texas Tech is a good team. My point was, I think Texas Tech is a good team, and I think there's a lot of teams on the in the Big 12 that on any given uh, day of the week can beat any other team. I don't think a loss to Texas Tech is necessarily the the you know fire the coach, you know trade all the players. I don't know if it was the the burn down the building problem that it seemed to be that the season was over because they lost a home game to Texas Tech and if they lose a road game to Cincinnati we might as well stop playing basketball at the University of Texas it felt like that was the attitude at Texas at a point and I was saying that's not the point I think Texas Tech is a good team I think Texas Tech is a good basketball team I think they always put together a good effort and a good team as, as you know it's a question of do they necessarily have all the talent that's there and are they able to uh, excel at a high level later in the season. That's where they've been uh, missing the last few years. As the season gets a little bit further down, the you know the shortcomings of talent rear their heads as some of the other teams get better and better. But you know, you know, and I haven't watched. I can tell you, I've watched probably a half of Texas Tech basketball this season, so I can't tell you uh, I've watched enough of it to really give you a full analysis. I can tell you that as well. Uh, Locksmith Ryan says, I hated the Amari Cooper trade to the Browns. Hats off to that one, Locksmith Ryan. That is a solid call. That was a crazy bad trade. Crazy bad trade. And I like Brandon Cooks, fine. But you shouldn't have had to go through all that work and give up a second, everything you had to give up to get Brandon Cooks when you could have just kept Amari Cooper, how good he is. But you decided that you had to move on from him. Yeah, that that's solid one, Locksmith Ryan. That is a solid pickup on that one. Uh, and again, I'm not saying the worst trades, but a hated trade. If you're a Cowboys fan to see that trade and I'm not even a Cowboys fan, but I, I root for them. Not, I won't give myself fan. I've let you guys celebrate that one. Uh, but yeah, that's one that just watching you go, why would you do that? And as a Texans fan, now we got to play against him this week. He's apparently coming back. I hate it double now. Locksmith Ryan, I'm with you. Uh, right guy from New Mexico says, uh, my least favorite trade of all time would have to be the DJ Moore trade to Chicago. I'm not even a Bears or Panthers fan, uh, but I still see how dumb that trade was. Yeah, that was a bad one. And then I think Alex Caruso trade to the Bulls was a bad move in the Lakers. They did not trade him. Uh, he was Alex Caruso fell into the role that they were trying to not mess up with uh, with Austin Reeves, whereas they signed him to a two year deal instead of a three year deal which meant that they didn't have his bird rights, so it meant they couldn't offer him a big enough contract, and so he was able to go somewhere else, and he ends up going to Chicago, I believe is what I believe is what happened. Uh, I have to go back and look, but I know that it was a deal where they didn't have his, his bird rights, so they could not get him. They would have loved to keep him. They want to trade him back now, but yeah, that is the dumb trade. that The, Lake, or the, the, the fact the Lakers don't have him, uh, that they found a real gem, like they scouted a guy, got a good player, and then didn't keep him. Uh, yeah, and the DJ Moore trade, uh, the trading away your pick this year, trading away another first. It's the, it's what's crazy is they did not get as much grief as the Texans did for theirs. That everybody said the Texans were giving away a number one pick, that the Texans were going to be awful, but somehow the Panthers were going to be good with no one on their roster either. I don't know why there was not more grief about that trade, but everybody was on the Texans. 
and the Texans are in the playoffs now, and that pick has now turned out to be uh, a high teens pick, so it's not quite as bad. Nate, I appreciate this. I appreciate all your text, uh, but I'm not trying to get fired today, so I'm not going to read those texts, but I, I appreciate them, Nate. I appreciate them, and I appreciate the humor in them and the, the sadness in them, but uh, I'm, I'm not trying to get fired today, Nate. But I appreciate I appreciate the loyalty. I'll say that. I appreciate the loyalty. Uh, Texter says, Mavs are begging anybody to take Grant Williams off their hands. Really bad fit for them. I don't think he's going to be a bad fit for them. I think, you know, it's going to take time for him to merge, but if he's hitting threes, he's playing well. I think the problem is when you don't have Lively and when you put anybody with Dwight Powell and they're expecting him to do some other things, but I think if you add another player in there that can play at a high level, I think he could fall into that spot. I don't necessarily think Grant Williams is necessarily the problem. And he's had, at the beginning of the season, he was playing great. They're just... Dallas is one of those teams. It always seems to be in this flux of everyone on the team wants to run and play offense. No one wants to play defense. And Jason Kidd does not care about offense. All he wants to do is have his team play defense. And I don't know why they're still together. It doesn't make sense. It does not feel like that team, uh, what the, what they do well and what Jason Kidd wants it to happen are ever on the same page. And so it did just end up with certain guys getting pushed away. All right, well, let's take a break. We're going to come back, uh, get on to more of the text line, talk some more uh, NCAA football. We'll recap the news, the big news from the 40 Acres today. We'll recap the news from Tuscaloosa as well and get a little NFL talk as well as the playoffs are coming up real soon. All that coming up and more uh, right here on the Sports Complex in the Horn 1019, AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com.